0: But start the show! All right, welcome back or welcome to the Sugar Bench Adventure Podcast. This week's episode is supported <gasps> by listeners like you and also by. The
1: Weeknd. All of the weekend, all of the weekends, all of the weekends, we love love all the weekend, all the weekend, the weekend.
0: You know, we, we hope everyone is safe and sound wherever you are. Your hosts this week are
1: David, Liliana, Ella, Will, Owl,
0: Michael, and me, Andy. Today's story is called The Worm Trail. Orca was a boy that was born to swim. He just never learned how. Instead, when given his choice, he preferred to run for as long and as far as he could. As a teenager, if you drove past his house, day or night, you'd see him running laps in the field. Orca would put in a shift daily, the same way that he washed dishes, two forks at a time. He ran like waves on the ocean, constantly. But that's not how it always was. Before he realized he was fast, he was just a kid. So let's start there. Orca's mom and dad were kind of funky. They were season ticket holders at SeaWorld and they loved their television and the faded Shamu bumper stickers on their truck. When Orca was born, they thought, well they knew, that he would swim like a fish. It was just a hunch. The family of three lived on a gravel road that bordered the Pistol River. The red house was more like a barn, and it was the last property on their dead-end road. In their front yard, leaky air conditioners sank into the earth as cypress roots popped up. To reach the house barn, you had to cross a rusting, green steel deck bridge. It was an old, narrow bridge, and Orca jogged over it twice a day on his way to and from school. But there was barely enough room for him in the cars, and he had to turn sideways and suck in his belly when they went flying by. Their road was in a perpetual state of disrepair, and the old potholes held rain for days. Cars were rarely seen near his house. I'm not sure if it was on account of so many potholes, or if the locals just didn't own that many cars. Along the road, people had favorite spots that they liked to dump their garbage. The fancy folks in town had their garbage picked up on Thursdays or Mondays, but the truck, it never did cross the bridge. Those that did cross the bridge noticed one main theme. A big quiet reigned in his neighborhood. Orca's parents didn't subscribe to typical parenting tactics, and they were hardly heard from. They were more like sleepy babysitters, and Orca never complained. The flags whipping in the wind, they complained more the sound of the pistol river was the backdrop to his adventures. It had been polluted for ages and he refused to even dip a toe in but he did like the sound it made. For Orca life was sweeter than a Bartlett pear. You know when the pear sits for a while and it's yellow and bruised and ugly. The day of Orca's fifth birthday started out pretty unremarkably. It was either hiccups or the wind that blew the rain sideways against his bedroom window that woke him up. Everything else was typically still. It was just Orca. He took off his mismatched socks and walked out the back door. Bad weather had always drawn him in. And once outside, he saw earthworms coming out of the swollen ground in the pink morning light. Excitedly, Orca said,
1: Worms, worms.
0: There were long, skinny ones, and a few fat ones. But there, in the middle of a grassless patch, sat one particularly monster-sized worm. When Orca picked it up, the giant worm reared back like a garter snake. When its tail slapped against the back of Orca's hand, his grip slipped. Ah! The worm was free and moving quickly now. It turned left into a tall hayfield next to his house. The sides of the worm parted the grass slightly as it entered the field. Orca stood there gazing down at the edge of the field until the worm was gone. The next day, Orca returned to the spot where the worm had entered the field. He lay down on his belly and looked at the trail that it had made. The grass had parted some more, and there in the trail, Orca noticed tiny mouse footprints. The path had widened from the width of the mouse squeezing through. The next day, large rabbit prints stomped out all evidence of the worm and the mouse. It was a rabbit highway, for a day, until the fox showed up. With every visit, Orca noticed the tall grasses had surrendered more real estate until their heavy tops arched permanently outward, away from the new path. Then, one day, the green meadow parted enough to entice a cow to venture through. Until now, the cows had typically taken a low trail straight to the neighbor's barn for milking. It was efficient and well-worn, down to the bedrock in some places. But this new worm entrance higher up the field and closer to Orca's house caught the eye of one curious cow, and she took it. She was the boss cow, and the others followed. They took what the worm started and made it permanent. Looking out his window, Orca memorized the meandering line as it flowed through the pasture. He studied it, and then walked it, and then he ran it until it felt like home. From that day on, he ran the worm trail every day without exception. At first he ran it like a kid at an Easter egg hunt, all surges and spurts. Eventually though, he could run it blindfolded. So let's talk about the trail. The trail starts high enough, but it quickly snakes down to the marshland where it's wet and full of skunk cabbage and cattails. Down in the swamp, the neighbors, they'd cheer for him as they grilled their hot dogs during smoky barbecue afternoons. The trail then turns right through an old apple orchard. The living limbs make you duck, and the dead limbs underfoot, they work to trip you up. One day Orca got lost in the orchard amongst all those unruly limbs, and he cried to the neighbors for help. Orca said, I'm
1: looking for a parent.
0: The hot dog neighbor responded,
1: You're looking for a parrot? Uh.
0: Orca started to respond, but decided that finding his own way out would be a little quicker. Eventually, he found the trail. After passing through the orchard, the worm trail tips up toward the blackberry bramble. There, in his bare feet, Orca nimbly would make his way through, stopping to pull out thorns as he went. And finally, the trail loops back toward his house but not before going over a large rock pile. The trail is long and treacherously beautiful and Orca needed and loved it in equal parts. These are the things that he came to know and after years of running it, he knew the path as well as any creature could. As he got older, people came to watch him run from time to time. Even people outside the town had heard about his flowing course. When he was 15, you could imagine the surprise when the athletic commissioner for the entire state called to speak with him. The commissioner explained that due to heavy rains, the outdoor track in nearby Mendy Bay County was flooded and unusable. All the fastest runners in the state were coming for the state meet, and they needed another course quickly. The commissioner asked a favor of Orca. He said,
1: May we please use your track? Orca said, Yes, but I have one condition. You need to (laughs) let me race.
0: Mr. Commissioner laughed, and he said,
1: You'll be lucky to carry their water bottles.
0: Orca replied,
1: I'm not going for lucky. Please make sure I have a race number. See you in a week.
0: Well, the week passed quickly, and race day started with a beautiful sunrise. The newspaper had written stories about the meet, and hordes of people arrived. People queued to cross the green steel bridge, and the locals were convinced that it would break. It did creak under the weight, but never broke. Orca's mom and dad turned off their TV and lifted the shades. They were puzzled as to why people parked up and down their gravel road. Finally, the racers got to their marks at the starting line. The starter's pistol was barely audible, among the cheering crowd. The 12 professional runners started with an impossibly fast tempo. And there, trailing at the back, was Orca, his race number flapping in the wind. Unfazed, he sauntered down the flowing trail toward the skunk cabbage lowlands. As he thoughtfully picked his foot placements, he made his way effortlessly through the wet area Others were not so wise, and he passed them as they were stuck knee deep in the mud. He kept his metronome pace, waving to his smoky neighbor standing in the yard. And then into the orchard he went. His breathing was steady. He saw three racers tangled up in the pointy branches. One fit looking racer called out
1: This place is horrible.
0: Orca responded.
1: It's only horrible the first thousand.
0: This was his dirt-floored home, and he sailed through the trees. White blossoms on the trees created a flood of light, like snow, in July. Through the blackberry brambles, Orca went. Barefoot, of course. Many runners were scratched and in pain through this section. He passed them. As he entered the final climb up the rock pile, Orca used his hands to pull his way to the top, somersaulting over and then landing on his feet. It was just him now and he soaked up the cheers as he crossed the finish line, alone in first place. Never surging and never slowing, Orca then decided to do another lap. He lent a hand to those still in despair and helped clear the course. After his second lap, he paused for a moment to be acknowledged as the fastest runner in the whole state. After receiving his medal, the commissioner stood at the microphone and announced that Orca had indeed qualified for next summer's Olympics. The crowd cheered Yay. wildly in approval. Orca slowly took the microphone and said,
1: I'm glad that Worm took a left. The end. To be continued. <laughs>
0: hell Well, that's our show this week folks thanks for joining us feel free to check us out um, on instagram at the sugar bench email any questions or comments to sugarbench at gmail.com we hope everybody's doing well and we'll see you all soon um yeah always try your best